The Second Amendment of the United States Constitution reads, A well-regulated militia, being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, shall not be infringed. Now, Governor Newsom out in California, he is proposing a convention upon the states to make a 28th Amendment that would raise the federal minimum age to purchase firearms from 18 to 21. It would mandate universal background checks to prevent what he calls truly dangerous people from purchasing a gun that could be used in a crime. It would institute a reasonable, as he states, waiting period for all gun purchases. And he states it would bar civilian purchase of assault weapons that serve no other purpose. These are his words than to kill as many people as possible in a short amount of time. He said weapons of war, our nation's founders never foresaw. Well, let's talk about the gun facts that we don't often hear on today's show. So sit back, grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you're into. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. America Emboldened. Greg, I feel emboldened. You don't know the founding fathers. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they sacrificed. We have lost touch with the principles in the Constitution. Nobody's read the Declaration of Independence. You are voting for socialism, and you got what you voted for. Welcome, bold Americans, to another week of episodes here on the America Out Loud Network. As always, you can go to www.americaoutloud.news, where you can find all of my colleagues' work, as well as the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network, available on your favorite app devices in the App Store. Make sure you download that. You can hear the 24-7 talk radio, as well as your favorite podcast, such as mine. Well, as we begin this week, I am acknowledging that there's a little bit of a celebration. This is my one year anniversary week here on the America Out Loud Network. I started my first show July 13th last year. And so we will wrap that here in the midweek this week. So maybe I'll do something special for it to recognize maybe a little uh, reflection, but I uh, will get to that a little bit later because we got to talk second amendment to start off today's show. And I got a great week of shows for you. Tomorrow, I'm going to have Dr. Mackis available. He's an oncologist. We're going to talk about turbo cancers. On Wednesday, I have a writer of a book, uh, Joe Soul, And his book is dealing with the conflict in Iraq and his time that he served and his thoughts and his feelings over that. Then we'll wrap my uh, week review or year review show with everybody. And we'll continue on from there. So that's what we have to look forward to just this week alone. So... Let's get straight into it. Back in June, I think it was on June 8th, Governor Newsom proposed a 28th Amendment. Now, this guy would rather deal with these national uh, national proposals than he would in fixing his own state's issues right now. The people that are homeless, the drugs, the violence, and everything else. But no, he's going to go national. Why? Because this guy is trying to put his best foot forward right now in order to become president in the future. He is so desperate. I still think that at some point in time, Joe Biden 
bows out of this race for the next election and Governor Newsom brings his little smile straight into the front and says, oh, look, I've been leading this uh, country with California this entire time. I do not think that Governor Newsom truly understands how unpopular California is to the majority of the heartland of our country. I really don't think he understands that. But one thing that is going to be a nail in his coffin is going to be the 28th Amendment. Now, I'm not a constitutional uh, scholar like Paul Engel is or even uh, Michael Bednarik was, but I understand it well enough from studying it to know that I can simply get a dictionary for shall not be infringed and know that we are already infringing upon so many people's rights for their Second Amendment throughout the different states. Now, the states have the right to make those as part of their own constitutions, but we have likely infringed a ton of people's rights. Uh, I believe that if you want to be able to carry a firearm concealed, that it is your right to be able to do so. It's a constitutional carry, but most of the states do not recognize that. Here in my state of Delaware is a May issue state for a concealed carry permit, and you have to go through a program for that. Uh, while I do what I need to do to make sure that I am legal, I do not believe that I should have to do those type of things. Now, would raising the federal minimum age to purchase a firearm from 18 to 21 would that actually do anything? Now, in, in Governor Newsom's video, he says, you know, if you're old enough to buy a beer, you're old enough to own a firearm. All right, Newsom, let me ask you a question. How old have our soldiers been that went off to war with a firearm to defend this country? If you think they had to wait till they were 21, then you did not pay close attention to any of our previous wars. And I would say if you're old enough to go to the war, you're definitely old enough to purchase a firearm. Absolutely. But there's this fear around firearms that comes from normally certain political sides. My children have held firearms. Uh, why have they held firearms? Because I believe in responsible gun ownership. And we're going to get into that today as well. But should my you know, children be able to walk into a store and purchase a firearm? Hmm. Well, shall not be infringed. They're an American citizen. Yeah, it might look funny seeing a little kid go in. I don't know if that's the responsible thing to do. So I would understand. Can we just leave it at 18? Can we? Although I think you could make a case. Shall not be infringed. You're you know, maybe 15, 16. You can drive a car. Why can't you? You got this 4,000 pound vehicle that can kill other people. What's the difference between that really and having a firearm if you are a responsible individual? And who gets to deem who is a responsible individual? All right. And we'll get into statistics behind my thought process as we go today. The universal background checks. There's already the, the national check the NICS that gets run when you go to purchase a gun. And it's supposed to come up with any previous felonies, any previous convictions. They're supposed to be able to flag you right then and there. Some states have enacted waiting periods. Some states do not have the waiting period. And within an hour, everything's filled out, everything's back, and they can sell the gun and you can leave with it. Depends where you live and what state that you're in. I personally believe that that NICS, uh, operation that they have 
possibly from what I've heard, there is some problems with the way that it talks to state police records. And so I would support strengthening that in order to make the background check better, but it shouldn't take any longer than an hour. Uh, You should be able to run this in today's day and age, as long as the internet's up and running and working, we should be able to figure out who is allowed and who is not allowed because the majority of people that go to purchase a weapon are responsible gun owners. How do we know that? Well, we're going to look at those statistics about the huge explosion of gun owner growth just within the last four years. And we did not see the explosion in gun deaths in the same way that we saw responsible uh, gun owners blowing up. All right. And then instituting a reasonable waiting period for all gun purchases. I have a problem with that because that can endanger some people's lives that may need that for their own protection. Matter of fact, majority of people, seven out of 10, according to statistics here, I'm looking at Pew Research, gun stats, and a number of other uh, sources uh, going through uh, gunfacts.info is a really great unbiased source that you can check out some of these stats. Uh, When you look at it, about seven out of 10, they are buying a weapon for their own personal defense. So there should not be a lone wait for this. Uh, Some people would like, uh, you know, a a week, 30 days. You may not have that much time. Maybe you were just the victim of domestic violence and threatened in a harmful way where you believe that you could be killed. You should not need to wait to be able to protect yourself. And then assault weapons that, as he says, serve no other purpose than to kill as many people as possible in a short amount of time. Weapons of war, our nation's founding fathers, never foresaw. All right. I, I want to ask my listening audience, first and foremost, if they can categorize what is an assault weapon for me. Is it because it looks scary? Because I... I fired all different types of weapons. I was just at the range over the weekend firing, I guess what's called assault weapons, because I would call anything that goes pew, pew, boom, boom, an assault weapon, whether it's a pistol or it's a rifle. Uh, But I believe what Gavin Newsom is trying to say is that if it's a rifle and it looks like what soldiers have, even though that mine functions completely different than what our nation's soldiers have, mine is a pistol semi-automatic it only fires one shot with one pool um (laughs) i would venture to say that that is not the weapon of war that our founders never foresaw it is an adaptation of things plus uh, we could get into i could get paul engel on here sometime and talk about whether or not i could have a cannon according to the second amendment and uh this is the god honest truth outside of the federal government starting to restrict that in states, the founding fathers would have said yes to that. They would have said yes to whatever means necessary in order to defend the nation from threats, both domestic and foreign. But we can get into that a little bit later as well. So what's the problem in this country right now? Well, you probably heard Chuck Schumer. He came out and he said that at this point, the leading cause of death amongst young people is no longer car accidents, but it is gun violence. And so I wanted to, to look at that statistic to be able to figure out whether or not we're, we're seeing things through 
the same lens and make sure that we're all on the same page. Uh, so his exact quote is, today the leading cause of death among children is no longer a car accident, is no longer illness or malnourishment. The leading cause of death among children is a firearm and the leading cause of death of children is a firearm. All right, so we wanted to look at those statistics and see, are we correct in figuring that out? And I had some major takeaways as I was uh, pulling this up. Are you aware that 33% of those deaths that were by, uh, of children that bring it over top the car accident numbers. Are you aware that 33% of the 3,963 children and teens that die by guns every year, they were suicide. Now, why do I bring that up? Because I believe in responsible gun ownership. And if we have 1,307 young people, dying from gun suicide and children are under the age of 18 and it's illegal to purchase a firearm under the age of 18, then this is a problem with accessibility in homes. And there've been many laws that have started to be passed at this point in time that are supposed to be taking firearms out of children. If you remove the suicide number, then no, firearms are not the leading cause of death amongst children. That is completely, completely able to be addressed if people would lock up their firearms responsibly away from their children, especially when a child is going through some type of crisis, if there's mental health issues. I mean, these parents have got to be better about what they do to make sure that they keep them safe. But now let's talk about the other side. Right, so out of the 4,733 uh, children that are killed each year amongst firearms, which 1,307 of them are suicide, they also are disproportionate according to race. See, black children, and especially teenagers in the United States, they are five times more likely than their white peers and classmates to die by guns. Why? Why is it that if you are black in America, you are five times more likely to die by a gun as a child and <laughs> as a teenager? Well, I think I can tell you why. I think that, that it's right in front of us, but we fail to have a good conversation about it because it's an uncomfortable conversation about it. See, the reason why is because of poverty. It's because of neighborhoods that force individuals into situations that they should have never been forced into in the first place. Gangs is just one perspective in all of this. See, for black children, gun violence has been the leading cause of death for them since 2006. That's when those numbers got to where they were. But during the pandemic in 2020, it skyrocketed. And black children at that point in time in the cities were 100 times more likely to be shot than a white child. So how can that be addressed? Well, first and foremost, you got to take away the illegal weapons that are on the streets. And in the second half of the show, I'm going to talk about 
why there's so many illegal weapons, what the left would like you to believe about that, but what the actual facts are behind that. We need to address poverty and a system that imprisons people in the poverty. That's a very important conversation. We need to talk about gangs or the fact that individuals are raised into this model of selling drugs because there's better economic possibilities, even though it has dangers than those that go and try to make their living with a regular honest job. We need to have a conversation as well about the policies in our cities, the attorney generals that they take the gun crimes and they charge things down and they don't follow the letter of the law, which allows repeat offenders, which we see in the statistics as well. Uh, we also need to talk about the fact that in those gang violences, there were only 5% of those deaths that were accidental shootings. The third, as I said, were suicide. But 65% of the kids that were killed are killed by violent assault with a gun, which took place in the American neighborhoods and cities, not in schools, as everybody would like you to believe they happen. These shootings are happening in the neighborhoods, and there's not a huge uh, outroar every weekend in Chicago when all of a sudden tons of teenagers and children are being killed every weekend. Also, in many, many cities around this country in the poorest parts of the neighborhoods. That might be an inconvenient truth to address. Now, within the environment, I've talked to my own students about this. I've had students that I've taught that have been a part of gangs. I've had students that have been shot and killed. I've had students that have been shot and wounded that later have called me and said, hey, I'm in the hospital. This is what's going on. They tell me the story about who's got beef with who. This was payback for like five years ago. They tell me that they give guns to the kids that are really young to be the shooters because they know that they will not be charged nearly as harsh and those kids can get out and still have a life on the other side. So there is this whole thing that goes on with that as well. But this is a really tough conversation to have because it takes recognizing that we as a society have enabled this to happen, that we've been comfortable with keeping people in poverty because for people not in poverty, it makes our life easier to look the other way. That's the reason why when a dog gets shot by a police officer just a few days ago, an entire community will come outside and cry over the dog being shot. But a person gets shot, immediately people stay inside their homes. They don't protest that because that individual likely uh, deserved it. Not even looking at the fact that maybe the individual who got shot was accidental. Not every person that gets shot by the police has been guilty. We know that. But why is it we get outraged about dogs, dog fighting, all these different things, but we don't get outraged about people? Well, it's because most Americans are living in a myth world when it comes to guns. Why? Because gun violence is not widespread in this country. It's simply not as widespread as people would have you think. We know that the misuse of guns, the fact of the matter is 
is highly centralized only in major metro areas. And that's within poor neighborhoods. Typically, what I'm referring to as the gang neighborhoods and also typically among young black males. The data does not lie whatsoever. And so we're going to get into what the data shows us in the second half of the show here. And uh, I encourage the conversation. How do you feel about this so far? Uh, do you want more restrictive gun laws or do you want the laws that are already on the books enforced in full? Uh, and uh, do we need to amend our constitution to keep our young people and citizens safer? I know where I stand on it, but I'm curious where you do. You can reach out to me at Real Greg Bolden on Twitter, or you can go to my website, AmericaEmbolden.com. My email's on there. I'd love to hear from you. Let me know your thoughts. On the second half of the show, we're going to talk about the myths and the facts regarding gun violence. And maybe if you listen with an open heart, maybe I'll change your mind on just a few things. All right, everybody, you're listening to America Bolden with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. Well, the out loud truth was the rallying call that started it all. A wide spectrum of programming from world and political news to societal, your health, and cultural stories. Seven amazing years of news stories, informative podcasts, and great talk radio. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The liberty and justice for all. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a CofixRx nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at cofixrx.com. Welcome back, bold Americans. Gavin Newsom is basing his 28th Amendment off of myths. And so many Democrats fall for these myths. I've even taught the conservatives that peddle the same type of myths that moms demand action and so many others do. So I want to go to the real stats right now about gun violence in the United States. In an average year right now, 43,375 people die from gun violence in the United States and 76,385 are being wounded by gun violence. But that does not tell the full story of what's going on here, because I know that 71% of the gunshot victims had previous criminal arrest 
records. So we can go to seven out of 10 people that were shot had already had a crime under record with 64% of them convicted of that crime. Victims also had an average of 11 prior arrests. Now you can find these uh, statistics straight through gunfacts.info to be able to get information, uh, not just here in the United States, but really anywhere with all of this. 63% of victims have had criminal histories and 73% of that group knew their assailant, which is twice as often as victims without criminal histories. And then 74% of homicides during the commission of a felony involved guns. So now let's go back to the statistics that I was just quoting back to the numbers. 43,375 people die each year. All right. By guns of which we know that the suicide rate by gun violence is rather high as well. 24,748 people in the United States die from gun suicides each year with an additional 2,294 being wounded from a suicide attempt. I think that that statistic is also very much at play when we talk about all of this. So we have 43,375 people dying each year from gun violence. And we take out the 24,748 that have died because of suicide. We're left with 18,603 deaths. Now we can then look at the fact that seven out of 10 had a criminal record. And now we have 5,500 and 88 deaths in this country that are true homicides with just people that have horrible intent that had no previous criminal record. And that is way too high in and of itself. You know, you take that 5,588, you divide that by 365, and that is 15 people with no previous uh, crimes to their name that decided uh, that they were going to take violence on other people per day in the United States. That's a problem. I'm not minimizing that whatsoever. But what I'm trying to point out is this is not as widespread. Now, why do I say it's not as widespread? Well, if you look at our cities like Chicago and Wilmington, Delaware, which is right off the road from me, it's very easy just in Wilmington, Delaware to have more people dying in the city each year than there are days of the week. And so when we take all of our metropolitan areas, we just had a horrible shooting in New York City with a man on a moped just indiscriminately shooting people and killing them. But we take Chicago, we take New York, we take all the different major cities around this country, and quickly it will start adding up the data that we're seeing in these numbers. So let's continue on. This myth that criminals buy guns at gun stores and gun shows, that's false. Because we know that less than 1% of crime guns are actually acquired at a gun show, according to the Bureau of Justice statistics that are available. In total, 10 to 11% of crime guns actually came from a retail source where they conducted a background check. And 2.3% of guns used in violent crime come from retail sources. So about two out of every 100. 
Only 7.3% of trace guns were recovered from the individual who first bought the gun, which also means that we have a theft problem here in this country. Now, imagine if the liberals got what they wanted and all of a sudden everybody had to publicly say, oh, I have a firearm at my house. You're putting a published list from where the steel guns from. We already know that gun uh, guns being stolen is a major issue in this country, uh, changing hands. And so we have that right in the statistic. We also know that in uh, a citywide study in Pittsburgh, it showed that 80% of people illegally carrying guns were prohibited from possessing that gun in the first place. And that a minimum of 30% of them had guns that were stolen. We also saw a study of adult offenders living in Chicago and nearby that determined the criminals obtain most of their guns through their social network and personal connections. Rarely do they have a source direct purchase from a gun store or even theft. They actually have a network in, in the gangs in order to do this. And we also know that there's other common arrangements that include sharing guns and holding guns for others, which is already illegal. So it's a myth then that crime guns come from retail. So therefore going with Gavin Newsom's retail measures and safety, it's going to deter these numbers. It's not. The Bureau of Justice already backs that up by concluding that only 10% of crime guns come from retail purchased by the individual. 43% are coming from street sources. There's also, across the board of analysis, no state-level association between retail sales of guns or a change in crime rates. So introducing more specific laws into these other states did nothing to change the crime rates. So a 28th Amendment will likely do zero zilch nada to change anything. This is an optics-based 28th Amendment for Governor Newsom. That's all. And all these states that are enacting this and following the emotional parts, they're not looking at the facts. They're talking about the data that is manipulated so people don't pay attention to it. Then you hear about the good guy with a gun. Well, no, no, no one ever, good guy with a gun doesn't do that. Do you know how dangerous that is? You know, they don't deter crime whatsoever. Well, there's actually a fact that there's about 2.5 million crimes a year or 6,849 each day. And most often there's a gun that's never fired and no blood from the criminal's shed simply because a gun was present at that moment. I have stories from individuals that I'm friends with that I know for a fact that simply having a gun there, no bullets needed to be fired. It de-escalated the situation until cops could arrive. Also, property crime rates are dropping right now. We see charts that show that the legal handgun supply in America, in civilian hands, is relative to the property crime rate, meaning the more homes that have guns in civilian hands, the property crime rate is going down along burglaries. And then we also know that every year there's 400,000 life-threatening violent crimes that are prevented by using firearms. I'm going to have a lot of uh, graphics I need to pull over here. Again, gunfacts.info. Highly recommend you go over here and see all the cited work. Uh, I'm not trying to take their work for my show. 
I just think it's really relevant to Governor Newsom, and I wanted to share it with my listeners so that you could see this as well. They also found 60% of convicted felons admitted that they avoided committing crimes when they knew that the victim they were going after was armed. 40% of convicted felons admitted they avoided committing crimes when they thought the victim might be armed. Felons report that they avoid entering houses where people are at home because they fear being shot. Imagine that. But I thought guns don't prevent crimes. A good guy with a gun does not take down a bad guy with a gun. And when we look at Britain, which has the toughest gun laws, uh, 59% of the burglaries are hot burglaries. They're burglaries committed while the home is occupied by the owner or renter. The United States, with more lenient gun control laws, that's only 13%. Why? Because they know that they're taking their life into their hands. Now, Washington, D.C. banned gun ownership, basically, since 1976. And their murder rate is 56.9 per 100,000 individuals. In Virginia, where it's less restricted, it's 1.6 per 100,000. Less than 3% of the Washington, D.C. rate. And I'm not talking about uh, Virginia like rural. I'm talking about Arlington, Virginia, where it's still a city environment. 26% of all retail businesses... They report keeping a gun on the promises for crime control. So the premises have that. In 1982, Kensal, Georgia passed a law requiring heads of households to keep at least one firearm in the house. And the residential burglary rate dropped to 89% the following year. So yeah, guess what? Having a gun does reduce crime. That is a myth that it does not. It's also a myth that the majority of gun owners would ever handle their weapon in an irresponsible manner. How do I know that? Do you know how many guns are in America? We are likely at about 480 million weapons in circulation in the United States that have been purchased legally. 465 million. <laughs> do you realize how many households have a gun? If, if that statistic, which is an ATF statistic, is accurate at this point. So let's get it to ghost guns. You probably heard about ghost guns, right? These are without serial numbers. So when they looked at the different police agencies, about 1.3% of crimes were do-it-yourself guns where the um, serial numbers did not exist. And about 2% with outlier agencies included. So... That is on the rise with the ability for more people, but it's not ghost guns being used by uh, legal gun owners. This is part of, it's part and parcel to the conversation of gangs and people that are already getting their weapons illegally so they cannot be traced. And then that's also a myth that private guns are being used to commit violent crimes. 90% of all violent crimes in the United States do not involve a firearm of any type. Even in crimes where there's an offender that has a gun, 83% never use it or never threaten to use a gun. Fewer than 1% of firearms will ever be used in the commission of a crime. Two-thirds of people who die each year from gunfire are criminals being shot by other criminals. 
A lot of times we never pay attention to that number, right? And I would say that if we look at that children number that we talked about earlier on, how many of those children had already had records involved in violent activities? How many of those children also had a weapon? Not just kids that were outside, you know, playing catch that happened to get gunned down. No, I'm talking about children that were on the streets doing bad things shot by other bad people on the streets. That's important. We're going to have that conversation. Let's talk about it. We also need to fix it. We need to fix it as how do you get the children off the streets? How do you raise people out of poverty? How do you stop gangs from needing to be in each of the cities? In fact, in Cincinnati, they looked at their gang problem and realized that 74% of their homicides were being committed by gangs, which was less than 1% of their population. So about three, seven out of 10, a little over seven out of 10, were gang violence. 92% of gang murders are committed with guns. So gangs are actually responsible, depending where you are, between 48% and 90%, depending on which city you're in, of all violent crimes. So most gun crimes are gang-related, most gun crimes are big city issues. And so if you're a mayor in a larger city, you should be worried more about controlling gang warfare than worried about the nationwide gun violence rates because you are the problem. You are the person who's not addressing it. You should be talking to your Congress, your senators about fixing the city in your state more so than fixing your state laws. There's tons of myths that continue to go down on this page. I could do an entire show on this thing, but there's no evidence that by raising the purchase age from 18 to 21, that that is going to all of a sudden change the fact that we have a gang problem in our cities. Raising the purchase age from 18 to 21 is not going to fix poverty. It's not going to change the way that we have created a system that traps people into not having other options, but the turn to a violent life with drugs and crime, which is not going to happen as well as this other part of governor Newsom mandating universal background checks. You know, who does not come up on a universal background check criminals that do not get their guns from stores, retail, if we know that nine out of 10 of these weapons, more than nine out of 10 of these weapons are being given by the social network through gangs and criminal networks, then we already understand that raising the universal background check is not going to stop dangerous people from purchasing a gun in the first place. They're not walking into their local Cabela's and being like, hello, sir, I'd like that Glock 23 Gen 4. That's not happening instituting a reasonable waiting period for all gun purchases. You know who doesn't have to wait? Those getting it from their social networks. You know who doesn't want to wait and can't? Those that are the victims of domestic violence that may need immediate protection from their situation to protect their children from a spouse or from somebody who is stalking them. And then barring civilian purchase of assault weapons that serve no other purpose than to kill, as he stated. No, they actually do serve a whole other lots of purposes. Uh, you can use them to hunt. You can use them for sport, for fun. And then you know what? If 
the crap really ever does hit the fan, yeah, it's nice to have something where a at 100 yards, the, your projectile is only dropping 2.6 inches. By 400 yards, 12.8 inches. So you're accurate in your firing should something ever happen in this country where uh, we get invaded by a foreign power. And yeah, for the people that laugh that off, yeah, how's that working out for the Ukraine, right? They were begging us for weapons, begging us to arm all of their citizens. But yeah, I guess that just doesn't matter to some of the people in this country. That's my problem with, with the 28th Amendment. It just doesn't add up to the facts. All of these laws, they're an infringement upon your Second Amendment rights. I understand there are people that are mentally unhinged right now that the last thing that they should have in their hands is a weapon. But I also want to be mindful that that does not allow a witch hunt on the responsible gun owners in this country in order to change the constitution and your rights granted by that constitution simply because you don't like it. Yeah, we need to have a conversation about mental health, but we also need to have a conversation about why is it acceptable to some individuals in this country? Because it's not acceptable to me that if you're black in this country, you're five times more likely to die by gun violence and normally in a criminal way, but yet we're not mourning and having the same type of outrage that we have when a school shooter goes and shoots up a school. Is all life precious to people anymore? Or is it just life at a school building that's precious? And then we say, well, those other individuals, well, they were in some really bad stuff and they deserve it. I don't believe that. I believe so many people were born in the situations that they did not deserve. And we continue to look the other way. And we have politicians that are absolutely morally bankrupt in this conversation. I call out politicians all the time here in my own state. When they go and they start saying, oh, we got to pass these common sense gun measures because this school shooting happened. And I'm going, yeah, you know where shootings have been happening all the time? Right here in my backyard with my students. And I don't see you every time one of my students has been killed or wounded talking about the fact that we have a drug and gang violence problem right here in the city that helped elect you, you fraud. That's where we need to have better conversations. And we can't have them unless we're talking with the same set of facts, which is why I thought today's episode was necessary. I'm looking forward to speaking with Dr. Mackis tomorrow. It's going to be a great episode. Uh, I have so many questions for him about cancers. Um, I hope that I ask your questions, get those answered for you. And uh, I hope it's just a, a great show once again when we come back on Tuesday. Hope that you're having a great start to your week, everybody. I'll be back tomorrow with another show. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. Be bold, America. Thank you.